I am no stranger to what addiction is really like, the darkness, the torment, the chaos. I watched over 30 of my friends die during 13 years of active addiction. I frequented jails, hospitals, rehabs, everything you can imagine. But then God intervened. Now I get invited back into jails to work with inmates and law enforcement. And I get to leave when I want to. Now I get invited back into rehabs to speak. I get hired by rehabs to help them better impact their patients. Now I get invited back into hospitals to speak and work with people. Now how does that kind of transformation come about? Well, that's exactly what we talk about in this podcast, where God comes in and he flips the script. I'm your host, Eric Fredrickson. Grateful to have celebrated over a decade of recovery and grateful to work with people in recovery all over the planet, coaching them into healthy, powerful, and sustainable recovery. Welcome to the Recovering Reality Podcast. Welcome, guys, to another episode on the Recovering Reality Podcast. I'm excited. I have my friend with me today. Hello, Stephanie. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So those of you that have been uh, listening, faithful listeners, you will know that I I love to share these stories uh, of people's experience with addiction, them coming out of it, connecting to God, living in the recovery that they're living in now. And Stephanie has a very powerful story. Uh, Stephanie and I met, you shared your testimony at an event that we put on, right? Yeah. The first time we met? I believe so. I believe yeah. so. And um, it's a powerful story. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear it today as well. So, Stephanie, why don't we go ahead and get started and you just begin to share a little bit of what it was like for you when you were younger and what led up to the start of the addiction when it kicked in in your life? Okay. Well, for me, my addiction began um, when I was about 12 years old. I think I had my first drink um, around that time. I remember um, before, many years before that, um, fear, living with a lot of fear. And there was a sexual abuse done to me as a small child and from that point on I remember just living with an uncontrollable inescapable fear that I wasn't good enough Um, and alcohol you know was readily available and um, I mean it wasn't long after my first drink that I became addicted. I loved it. Wow. Um, this was at roughly age 12. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. One of the first um, memories I have that I got into trouble was, I believe I was 15, 16, and I got drunk before going to high school in the morning at 5 o'clock a.m., and uh, my brother had come home with booze. 
he worked midnight shifts, and I thought, wow, if I could, if I could drink and feel good and feel calm and all of my fears and anxieties will go away, I could feel this way, you know, going into public during the day. And, and, and that's like when it started to become that, um, like it was freeing. It, it took away all my cares. You know, I, I had escape I had from reality. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It wasn't even, it wasn't enjoyable. Well, it got to the point where it wasn't enjoyable, but at this time, um, what I didn't know then was, yeah, it wasn't enjoyable. It was taking me away from, from everything that I felt. And so I went to school that morning and from the get-go, at 12 years old, I began to black out. And now, as a recovering alcoholic, I know that the, that is one of the first signs of being an alcoholic. And I didn't know mm-hmm. that then, and not that that would have stopped me, because it, it had a hold of me. And I went to school, and I was blacked out. I don't remember anything. Um, Did you go to the whole day of school? No. I, From what I was told, I went on the school bus. They took me to my home school, and I usually met with friends that took me to the JVS. So I guess I fell off the school bus when I got to school and had a big gash in my face. And my friends, I guess, then took me to the JVS, and my teacher was, really concerned and I guess she was crying and then they didn't you know they they were very scared for me but she she just sent me back home and, and I didn't get into trouble um from the school because I think she protected me mm-hmm. um and I remember waking up that evening with a cigarette stuck to my stomach because I had blacked out at home and uh and that's all I and that's that's where it began, and um, it just progressed over the years. I, I searched for the high, and even as an adult, that continued, um, but I just wouldn't come home at night. I would black out at the bar, have full intentions on coming home to my family, and wake up at some stranger's house in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't know how I even got there. Um yeah, I can relate to those those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's not how I wanted to live. I, I started to get sick of the way I was living, and I kept having a feeling um, that God had something better for me, that I don't need to live like this, that there's got to be something more. It's interesting you talk about that because I, I sort of had that when I was going through the addiction too. In the back of my mind, I was like, it's not always going to be like this. It, there's a way out. There's Life can be different, but I obviously didn't know the way out at the time, but I, I would have those right. thoughts in the back of my mind too while I was stuck in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I always thought when I grew up, um, I would – I, I always thought that my happiness would come from somebody else. So once I 
um, find the perfect husband, and he paints me that beautiful white picket fence. And all, and and I truly believe that all those pieces would fit together, and that I would be happy. And that was not the case at all. In mm-hmm. fact, it was complete opposite. Um, I ended up getting sober when I was roughly 27 years old, and my last drunk um you know it had continued and the same situation from my first drunk continued to play out my entire life and you know it went from DUIs to waking up in cop cars and in jail and that was never fun no waking up in jail or in the back of a cop car is not was not what was on my mind when I set out to quote unquote have fun. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, one story, um, and this is a story that I like to keep fresh in my mind because society likes to paint a picture that it's it's popular and it's cool to, you know, have a few glasses of wine when you're all prettied up in your gorgeous, you know, going out outfit and everything looks so perfect. And so I like to keep this fresh in my mind. One evening, I went to a wedding, and, you know, I was dressed to the night. I had a beautiful dress on. Makeup was done perfect. And and uh, I ended up drinking too much, as usual. I think I took some more pills. Somebody had given me something, and I thought, oh, this will make me feel better. You know, I would take anything that anybody would give me because I thought it would mm-hmm. make me feel better. And um, that evening, I blacked out driving my car. And that had to have been one of my scariest moments. Um, I blacked out. And I know this was the Lord. He handpicked me up and he put me to the side of the road and, you know, allowed me to get stuck in someone's drive uh, yard. I was in someone's yard. I don't remember any of this. Up on their grass? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's not funny, but now it is. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't remember any of that. And I guess the people that lived there came out knocking on the window, tried to wake me up, and, you know, I wouldn't wake up. And then so the cops came, and um, I guess they were there for quite a while trying to wake me up you know, to even get in my car. Mm-hmm. So, um, a long story short, they, I was covered in urine in my car and I proceeded to get out to take the breathalyzer or, you know, do the test. And, and I was just mortified. Well, I wasn't really mortified at that point. The next morning when I woke up with urine on my dress and having to walk out of a jail, you know, covered in my own urine, um, thinking, what? Who have I become? Yeah, how did this happen? I'm not set mm-hmm. out, you know, that's not who I set out to be. That's not who I wanted to be. And, you wow. know, that just wasn't fun anymore for me. Yeah. No. Yeah, I can I can definitely relate to, to those stories. Very similar things were happening in oh. my life. So you said, um, what what did it look like, the... 
talk a little bit about when it got as bad as it got and what provoked the the desire to want to do something different. What started changing? What was the transformation point in there? The depression that was taking over my mind was initially what had made me want to quit. Um, I mean, I was getting to the point when I was drinking that I just wanted to end it. Um, I would call people all night long, depressed, and as a matter of fact, around that same period of time, I was seeking counseling, and I was supposed to go, this was the last, my, my last drunk, um, one of my last drunks, um, and I was supposed to seek counseling the next day to address um, sexual abuse issues done by my father, and the next day, I was going through counseling, the next day I was supposed to go to like a group therapy, and I remember feeling so much fear and and it kind of just like all came back to me like I can't do this um and so I started drinking more because I couldn't reveal that stuff and and I know that God works strategically in our lives and so what had happened was I realized you know and I I didn't realize it then but I needed to be sober first I wouldn't have been able to recover from any of that trauma if I wouldn't have gotten sober first. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. So, I mean, I, it was very similar for me too. I remember when I finally did make the, the choice to step into recovery, my external circumstances had been much worse. Mm-hmm. I had been, I had been in way worse situations and circumstances, way worse, but it was right. the it was what you said internally i had never been worse internally right. it was i was i was dead it was yes. death internally yes. and i just yes. couldn't do it anymore i just couldn't i just couldn't do it anymore yes. so for you what what so what did that look like um 12 step meetings and um god and what, what did that look like practically speaking to begin to get that clarity and step into recovery so um at first i i had a a friend that was had been sober um for a while i reached out to her got into going to 12 step meetings and um you know and i would and cuz she was sober and and basically you know she um had been sober so she directing on on what to do and where to go to, you know, this 12-step meeting, um, AA meetings, and... Mm -hmm. uh, You took direction. Yes, I did. I did. And it was very hard, very, Mm -hmm. very hard. Um, You know, you... I mentioned all that depression, and you remove that alcohol from that, you know, it's whew, it's like a, you know, a sore that just is wide open and it burns and it, you know, it was There's like. no I more numbing agents. Oh, it was mm-hmm. awful. You know, and I thought like, oh my goodness, if this is sobriety, like how, 
can I do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this How is why there's Woo! a there's a so, very big difference between just not drinking and actually oh, being in recovery. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I had, it was like six months into my sobriety, and I had um, admitted myself into Windsor Laurelwood. Which is? It, which is a mental health facility. Okay. So I, mm-hmm, I was put on a dual diagnosis and um, put on medicine. And, um, you know, that got the ball, ball rolling for me um, to stick with the counseling because um, I kind of had to at that point because I had no other choice. Um, I'm sober and I know I got all this stuff going on. I don't know what it is, but I want to get rid of it and I want to feel good. And I want to, you know, be happy like all these other sober people that I see that, you know, say recovery works. And I, and I just didn't understand why it wasn't working for me. You know, I, I'm, I'm an alcoholic and addict. I want, I want a quick fix. Yeah. So that that part was hard for me. Wow. Um, uh, well, mm-hmm. that's. I appreciate you being honest and open about that because I, that there is a misconception with people in re- recovery. It's I feel it's quite common. They come into recovery and they're like, "Oh, this will be easy. I'll just quit doing drugs and drinking, right. and my life will be perfect." And it's like, no. There's been oftentimes decades of yes. intensely unhealthy thinking habits. Right, trauma, right. things that have happened. Like it's not a you don't snap your fingers and all of a sudden everything's just perfect because you stop drinking. There's um, no, it's an inside job and there is a, a rewiring that is needed for sure. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. So so there you are, um, getting some help at a mental health facility. How old are you at this point? At this point, I am. I want to say I am, oof, I would say 26 or 27. I had just gotten married, and my daughter was five at the time. And, um, yeah, I started that process. What were, like, if you can elaborate a little bit on what were some of the key points of getting past some of these misconceptions about recovery? You know, when you finally realize, like, oh, this isn't a magic trick and it just doesn't go away in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> right. What were, what, how did you get past some of that? And what was it like also really establishing that relationship with God in the midst of that? Wow. Well, um, it was a lot of doing the same thing over and over and over and, you know, the same thing happening and getting the same results. And, um, you know, it took a lot of prayer. It took a lot of working the 12 steps to um, find my own part in why I was behaving, why I was behaving, why I was reacting um, to the things that I was reacting to. Um, because there was a deep-seated fear in all of that. And once I worked through those issues, I began to understand where it was coming from. So then that would help me to be non, not react um, and, and just Absolutely. work on what it was I was um, I was really struggling with, whether it was from my abuse, 
you know, the emotional um, pain that I had not dealt with. Like it all just kind of sprayed out from that one wound <laughs> in every area of my life, you know. It's 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 really common, you know, having been in uh, over – decade now of recovery and worked with many, many people in recovery. It's it's very, very common childhood stuff, trauma, yeah. stuff, abuse, neglect, whatever. Um, I I don't think it's the case 100% of the time, but pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, is, what does life look like for you today compared to what it, what it was like? What is, what is this life wow. like with, with God now? And what does life look like for you? Um, if, if you wouldn't mind, um, from the inside out, how is, yeah. what is the inside world like and how does that translate into the world around you compared to what it was like? Wow, that's a great question. I like how you, how you ask that. It's completely freeing. I feel... I feel um I feel freedom. I feel um I don't have to hide anymore. I don't have to hide from who I am. Mm-hmm. And you know, God has just placed so many good things in my life. So many people um he he put my husband directly in my path. I prayed for my husband and um and we met through a program through Hope Over Heroin. Today in my recovery, I know with every ounce in me that the Lord goes before me and Mm. that if I just do the right action and pray and seek him and stay really close to him, I don't have to fear. Um, Like he just takes it away from me. Um, it's such a beautiful, it's an amazing, um, overwhelming love that like follows me around everywhere I go, you know, um, you know, and it's not all the time, like happy, happy, but I always have, you know, it's just okay today. I don't know. I don't have to, um, God always makes a way and I don't have to, I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. I'm going to uh, actually, um, as of the end of this week, I will be graduating with my associate's degree in human services, which is amazing. Yeah. I barely graduated high school, you know? And, uh, and so he's taken me back to school and next month, um, actually, I have a couple months off, and the next month I will be starting my bachelor's degree in um, substance abuse counseling. So, oh, so good. pretty good cool. Yeah. There's yeah. just so much hope and um, so much hope that I have today in my heart. Wow. Well, I, I like the way that you said that because you just, you know, when you were talking about what it was like when you were young and addiction, it was this constant fear. Mm, yes. You know, and then you said you described how what life is like now is that I don't have to fear anymore. That's gone. Mm. Yes, I don't, it I don't is. have to live like that anymore. And yeah, you know, I like how you said it too, because it's true. People need to know, like, no, stepping into recovery doesn't make every like every day is perfect for the rest of your life. Right. 
Right. So, Absolutely. no, it's not. It's, it's not for people who haven't even struggled with addiction. It's called life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but but the way you're describing it, it was was well said because it, it just, it's so much easier to face things when there's not that impending sense of doom and fear and worry and trying to cover yeah. stuff up and the internal torment and all these things. Mm. And yes. God really just set you free. Yes. Yes. And today I realized that I have a choice. I have a choice in how of where my mind goes. So, you know, I, I go to my meetings still, my 12-step meetings. And, um, you know, I spend a lot of time in prayer because um, I need God to direct my thinking and continuously um, free me of, you know, whatever I'm struggling with in any given day, you know, so mm-hmm. I can be led by his spirit, you know, um, because when I'm That's not, awesome. you know, yeah, yeah, it's just a, a much better way to go. Yeah. Having experienced the alternative, I would agree with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So good. That is so good. Well, that's a, you have a very, uh, powerful story and you're doing a lot of amazing things now i always ask this and obviously you shared it in the midst of your story but what is it you would say to that person say they're listening um or the family member that's listening whose um, loved one has not stepped into recovery or the individual what uh what would you share in you know a few sentences just to encourage them and give them hope when they're still stuck in the midst of it right oh i would say that you know you may not see or understand how it could at all get better because we can't comprehend that in our mind but you know on the other side of that is a brand new life of peace and you, mm-hmm. you know you don't have to be held captive by your addiction you, you, there is freedom absolutely don't have to be held captive. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a good way to say it. Well, yeah. I appreciate you, Stephanie. I I thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. I know. I I love I love when people share their stories on the podcast because anybody that struggled with addiction or is in recovery, no matter whose story you hear you're going to find similarities. Yes. And if you're looking for the similarities, not the differences, if you're looking for the similarities, you're always going to be able to relate and and connect on what life was like and what life is like now. So thank you for, for being open. Thank you for being vulnerable and honest. I know it's going to encourage a, a lot of people. Thank you, Eric. My pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, um, thank you for joining us on this little journey and listening to Stephanie's story. Feel free to share this with friends or with a loved one. If you think that this kind of story would be something that could really, really encourage them and give them hope in what it is they are going through. And Stephanie, you are awesome. Thank you once again. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, and we'll connect with you guys again soon. Thanks for joining us again on the Recovering Reality Podcast.
Thank you guys for joining us on the Recovering Reality Podcast. If you guys are interested in more free recovery resources, you guys can check out the website recoveringreality.com where you can link our YouTube channel, the blogs, and the podcast with endless hours of recovery content that will help you live in your most powerful and free, healthy recovery possible. If any of you would like to connect to myself or a recovery coach that can help walk you into your fullest potential in recovery. You can contact us through the website as well, also for speaking engagements. Thank you again for joining us on the Recovering Reality Podcast.